James chapter 1, verse 1, I mean chapter 1, verse 12. Let's read verse 12 through 16. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted, here it is, when he is drawn away of his own lust. We've talked about that and talked about that. What is his own lust? It's his own desires. Not necessarily evil desires. Not necessarily carnal desires. His own desires. And enticed. He's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's how a man is tempted. That's how a woman's tempted. That's how a little girl or a little boy is tempted. They're drawn away of their own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, that means when lust takes control, when lust forms a plan, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. James, given the instruction here that I'm trying to give tonight, he did it just, it's just exactly the same way. Let me read you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. He said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So, it all happens in your mind. It all happens in your mind out of the view of others. This is where it, it happens. Over and over, we've talked about and reminded ourselves that it, the battle is in the mind. It's not out here. It's in the mind. It's where the devil's going to speak to you. It's where the devil's going to show things to you. It's where the devil's going to entice you. It's where the devil's going to reason with you in your mind. That's that inner dialogue that goes on in all of us. You say, I don't talk to myself. Yes, you do. There's something going on in your mind all the time. There's a conversation. There's a debate. There's a, a discussion, a comparing of facts and situations and ideas, and you're always deciding. That's what your mind is. It's a computer that thinks, says yes, no, yes, no, good or evil. That's what you're always deciding, right or wrong, a go or a not go. It all happens in our mind. Now, now listen to me carefully. I'm going to try to hurry tonight. An object is presented for your consideration. Think about it. You want to go back to the garden again. What happened in the garden? Eve was away from her husband, evidently. We don't know that. He could have been right there by her side. The battle's in the mind, you know. He could have been right there. The devil spoke to her in her mind. Why would it have been any different then than it is now? But an object was presented, right? Yes. Look at this tree. Well, why were they there? Messing around. Right. 
close to something that God, the one thing, just the one thing that God had said no. Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. They just, you know. But the devil presented it for her consideration. Then what happened? She considered it. When she saw that the tree or the fruit was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and to be desired to make one wise, you see, she considered it, didn't she? She considered all but one thing, what God had said about it. You see, she forgot about God. We were reading the other day, and the Bible said that when it said the devil entered into Judas, and when the devil entered into Judas, he became a different man, didn't he? Yes, sir. Now, up until that point, to everybody else, he looked just like all the other disciples. He acted just like all the other disciples. He talked like them. He did just what they did. You wouldn't have been able to discern him when they when they said, Lord, is it I? You know, nobody looked at Judas and said, I bet you that's the one right there. No, he was the least expected. But when Satan entered into Judas, what do you see next? You see him standing with the ungodly. You see him coming with them to betray the Lord with a kiss. He's deceitful. He's a, he's a villain. And, and I noticed the verse where it said, it stood out to me because it says, and Judas stood with them. He stood with them. He was a changed man. Did you ever know anybody like that? Did you ever know anybody that just turned from daylight to dark all of a sudden? You thought they were all right. You thought they were, had their, you know, they were gods. I mean, they had God in front of their life, you thought. And then all of a sudden, man, they're completely 180 the other way. You ever had that experience? I've had it a bunch of times. What happened? Well, there was a, there was a dialogue went on in their mind before that happened. An object was presented for their consideration. And while considering the object, a desire is born in your heart. Then we begin to pursue that desire. Is that the way it happens with every sin? I'm going to point, I'm going to try to make it clear that this is the way that Jesus was talking about that leadeth to destruction. This is the way that leadeth to destruction. But, but there's, there's more to it than that. Now, one of the two things you're going to... First, an object's presented for your consideration to your mind. And while considering the object, a desire is born in your heart. And then we begin to pursue that desire. Do you all see that that's how it happens? Shake your head. Blink. I mean, breathe. Do something. Just say, tell me that you understand it. Or we'll go back and we'll just keep repeating it. An object is presented. Alright, that's the way it always happens. Now one of two things happens at this point. Eventually, desire takes control. Lust conceives. Lust 
comes up with a plan to obtain the desire. And the matter becomes, and the, and the truth about the matter becomes irrelevant. What happened when Eve, did, did she brought it up to the devil, the subject, she brought up the idea that God had said not to eat of this tree because we'd die. What did the devil say? You shall not surely die. He called God a liar. He said it'll be good for you. He convinced her that it was the right thing for her to do. It was the good thing for her to do. And that if she just did it, she would be so much better off because she would be as God's her and Adam. Yeah. And they'd be able to see things they couldn't see now. So, what, what happened with God? What happened with the truth of God? What did she do with the words of God? The commands of God? The promises of God? What did she do with them? They became irrelevant. They didn't matter to her at that point. This is sin. This is the way sin comes forth. This is the way it happens to everybody. Everybody. James chapter 1 verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, it either happens that way. Then a way is made and the gate is opened. And you walk through it never to be the same again. It changed their lives. It changed the course of humanity forever. The universe, really. What she did that day by disobeying, disregarding God and being deceived by the devil changed the course of everything. It was never the same. They were driven from the garden. Driven from the garden. Like Jesus drove the, the money changers out of the temple with a whip. Driven like that. Forced out. With force they were put out of the garden. It changed their lives. The other possibility at that point when you begin to pursue the desire, the other possibility that happens at that point is that the mind holds to the truth and the desire is denied. That's the rarer of the two and seldom happens with carnal people. Once in a while it does. Good sense, I don't know. Good influence, a, 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 a conscience that bothers them. You know, I've told you before, I grew up lost and I, you know, I had a little church going that I did mostly on my own, but, but I never smoked marijuana and I never drank, you know, I mean, that I've never tasted, I can't tell you that, but I never, I never got out drinking. I wouldn't go drinking with everybody like everybody else did. I never got involved in that stuff because I had a conscience and I had parents and grandparents that loved me and I didn't. And the, the idea of hurting them and disappointing them was enough for my conscience to keep me from doing that stuff. And I was lost. That's why it's hard for me to understand people that are supposed to have the Holy Ghost living in them and have a conscience sprinkled, you know, that evil conscience sprinkled with the blood of Christ that they can just do whatever they want. 
and doesn't matter. No, a conscience. Now, but with the help of God and the guidance of the Spirit of God upon a heart, the mind that is yielded to Him, it does happen. You can be tempted and escape. In fact, the Christian always has a way of escape. Amen. Now, the pattern applies to all of life here on earth. It's the way all men make their choices in life. As we go around and we meet these forks in the road, the way itself is God's design. Now, listen to me a second. What I've said here, you think I'm just pointing that all to the devil. No, this is God's design. The way He made us to reason and think and function in this life is that an object is presented to our mind for consideration. We, we consider it. That's the way we come to the knowledge of the truth also. It's the natural God order of things. It's just the way things work. The way itself is God's design. So there's nothing wrong with the way God set us up in this world with physical senses and emotional feelings and natural desires. Every matter in life is first presented to our mind to consider both good and bad. Both good and bad. That's what I'm doing here tonight. I'm presenting to your mind some ideas to think about, to consider. And the thing about it with the truth is you can't get people to consider it even much. And then to consider it and obey it, to actually pursue it, that's, that's harder step still. The tide, the, the current is against us in this sinful world that we live in. With all of the influence on everybody's mind being sinful all the time and wickedness and evil and pulling the other way. You're fighting against the current when you're presenting ideas and objects to people's minds to think about that are right and holy. But every matter is first presented to our mind to consider, good and bad. The problem is with our desire, we fail to control it and to keep it subject to truth and righteousness. Y'all stay with me. You hear me there? We let it out of its cage before we've secured everything else and it takes over quickly. We let our desire out of the cage. We let it overwhelm us. We let it overwhelm our mind. We, we don't keep the truth steadfast in front and our desire where it belongs. We let our desire overtake us. What's well, a big problem with everybody today? I mean, lots of problems, but I mean, uh, why is everybody overweight and always worried about diet? Well, desire. That's really the, you got a thyroid problem. <laughs> well, that's not the, that's not the answer. Not the answer. What's the problem? We don't control our desires. Why do we get in financial ruin most of the time now? There's things that happen. I mean, you can get sick. You can not be. There's a lot of things that can put you in financial distress besides carelessness and all of that. But 
But what are most people in trouble financially for? Because their desires. They bought too much because they wanted too much. And they didn't say no to themselves. And so they spent money they didn't have over and over until it's unfixable. Do you see what I mean? It's, there's nothing wrong with the, with the design. The problem is our desires. And they're not kept under control. The reason we fail to control it is because there are so many voices speaking to our mind, justifying our desire and speaking in favor of it. Isn't that the way it works? Now, y'all, they ain't no need in sitting there and looking like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Because there's not a one of us in here. We're all made out of the same stuff. We've lived in this world, same world. We've faced the same things. And you know that what I'm telling you is the truth right now. You've been through this. You're going through it. You're going through it tomorrow. I mean, the rest of you, as long as you live on this earth, this is what you got to contend with. This is the spiritual battle that we're in. Yes, The devil... Once he uses our desires against us. Yes, he does. Even natural desires yeah. he uses against us. Mm-hmm. Even good desires he can use against us. Yes, he can. Yes, so much could be said right there. But the reason we fail to control our desire is because we got somebody in our mind talking us into it. And we don't recognize who it is most of the time. The reason, the, and, and, and as we've said so many times, the battle is in our mind. And if we don't guard our mind from the spirits of evil, we'll be deceived by them very easily. You don't think you're able to be deceived? Well, uh, you are. I won't say nothing ugly, but you are. We're all able to be deceived. If we don't keep our guard up, if we don't walk close to God, if we don't hold the truth high in our minds and in our hearts, Mm -hmm. we'll be deceived. And it's the road to destruction. The strategy, that strategy or game plan of Satan, it's visible in every enticement to sin. And in his schemes to derail us in life from serving God. Satan has two goals, you know. He wants to lead us into sinning against God and others. That causes destruction in every direction when we do that. And he delights in it. He delights in the broken hearts, the broken homes, the ruined children, the ruined souls. He delights in that. Satan has two goals though. He to lead us into sinning against God and others, and he also wants to ruin our testimony and usefulness to God. Now he can do that without leading us into gross sin. The depths of sin he leads people into very greatly. They very greatly. Some he can lead into fornication and adultery or and murder or stealing. He can do that. I've seen him do it so many times. Some he can ruin by simply keeping them confused and stumbling. In either case, he wins and God loses. And so do husbands and wives. 
and fathers and mothers and children and friends and churches and and everybody loses when Satan wins. We can usually discern whether the object presented for our consideration is from God or from Satan by what that object is. You know, when you find yourself in confusion or you find yourself troubled, look at what, I mean, try to figure out what your mind's looking at. What is this thing before your mind? What is this object and where did it come from? Some people, and you know the devil's this way. We read a thing of Spurgeon this morning fit exactly with what I've been having to deal with this week here. But the devil will tell you, you ain't no good. You've blown it. You have. You are lost. You're a reprobate. And you're on your way to hell. And ain't nothing you can do about it. Now, do, how many of you think God will ever tell you that? How could God tell a reprobate anything? He's not listening to God. That's the, that's the whole deal about being a reprobate. He ain't listening. He ain't going to hear what God says until he stands before him in judgment. When you hear that kind of stuff, you know immediately. I mean, I can tell you immediately who that is talking to your mind. Yes, sir. And when I hear somebody say that stuff, I can tell them with confidence and with authority that is not God. You're listening to the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses me to myself. You to yourself. He accuses me to you and you to me. He accuses us before God. It's the devil. Recognize it. Put you to thinking in that realm that you're just a loser and there ain't no hope for you and you and and nobody's ever going to think anything of me again. And I'm wrong. No hope. See, the devil will always take away your hope. He'll try to. Yes, sir. That's it, right there. Yeah. You said one time there, Gary, about religion without hope. Man, I remembered that because that is exactly how it is. Mm-hmm. If it's the Spirit of God, if it's God speaking, you'll, he'll be offering hope. Always. If you're within hearing distance of God, He's going to offer you hope. It don't matter what you've done. If you can hear His voice, you're going to hear there's hope for you. Come unto me. Though your sins be as scarlet. Yes. Come unto me. God's never going to say... You've done too much. I'm done with you. I'm finished with you. For example, would the Spirit of God present to the mind of a married man a woman to consider besides his wife? Huh? You say, oh, well, no. I mean, i got to get plain life with you here. Do you think God would do that? I know people who believe that he did. Yeah. No. No, who's who would do that? Well, the devil. What what good could possibly come out of that? 
When you can, if that is an object presented to your mind and you begin to consider it and then you have, then, then a desire is born and then you pursue that desire, where is it going? Exactly. Did God lead you in? Did God offer you that object to think of? Then who did? Would the Spirit of God suggest to our mind that we consider drinking alcohol? I mean, after all, you know, what's wrong with it? He's had a little for your stomach's sake, you know, a little wine for your stomach's sake. And besides, he's just talking about not getting drunk. Do you think the Holy Spirit of God would present that object to your mind? There's nothing wrong with it. Why don't you just get you a bottle of whiskey and keep it around just for medicinal purposes? I mean, who cares? Would the Spirit of God lead you to that which is so associated with evil. When he said abstain from all appearance of evil, that's enough right there. That's enough right there. Forget all the debate. Forget all the arguments. Forget all the Bible debates about it. That's enough right there. Abstain from all appearance of evil. If you've seen me coming out of the munching bunch or whatever that is down there, what is it? Munching munching pump. With a, with a fifth of whiskey under my arm, what would you think? And you saw me and I said, Hey, Brother Matt, I'm just, I just got me some medicine here. I don't get drunk now. I'm just going to take it for a little medicine now and then. Would that be okay? No. Matt won't answer me. <laughs> I guess he's afraid I'm going to try to trap him. I don't do that with people. But no, that wouldn't be okay. And if I saw him coming out of there like it, it wouldn't be okay either. Would it? So the devil ain't going to present that. I mean, God is not going to present that kind of an object in front of for you to consider. Or drugs. You know, I wonder what it'd be like to smoke a joint. I wonder what it'd be like to take meth just one time. You think God's going to suggest that to your mind? No. Would God suggest to our mind the idea of going to spend some time in a gambling casino or any place where everyone's drinking and dancing and being immoral? Would God, the Spirit of God, a holy God, would He put that object before our mind for our considerations so that we would have a desire to do that? No, the devil does that. When the devil does that, what happens to people? When they start considering it, then what happens? A desire is born. And then they begin to pursue that desire. And then lust conceives. A plan is formed to do what they want to do. And they go dead. It's the road to destruction. Now, would Satan suggest to our mind that we seek seek out some truth in the Word of God? Would the devil ever lead you to go get your Bible and read in Isaiah? (laughs) And or you know would the devil ever suggest that you go to the Bible to figure out something about some doctrinal issue or some moral issue would the devil ever say you need to read the Bible about that it's in there you just go read no but who would God would any person of God would tell you that would point you that way Would Satan try to guide our mind to consider others instead of ourselves? Would the devil ever tell you you're being too mean, you're being too selfish, you need to give, you need to be more giving and more kind, and you need to consider others, and you need to do unto others 
as you'd have them do unto you. Would the devil ever make you think that in your mind? No. No. But who would? God would. So, it's not so difficult to tell who's, who's approaching your mind if you just look at the object they got in their hand presenting to you. Would Satan try to convince you to give your life to the service of God and the salvation of souls? Well, of course not. All these things may seem very obvious, and they are, but be aware that the devil is more subtle than all the beasts of the field. Remember? That's how he was first described in the Bible. Subtle. Subtle. Sneaky. Double-tongued. Talk with a forked tongue. That's where it came from. The serpent, see. He's more subtle. And he can present things to your mind, listen to me, in such a way that you actually think you're doing right when you're not. By the time anyone crosses the line into fornication or adultery, they've already reasoned it out in their mind and that that they are justified in what they're doing. Do you understand that? I mean, do you understand that what I told you is an absolute truth fact? That's the way it happens. They fell into sin. No, they didn't fall into that sin. It was it was long in coming. It was presented. It was considered. There was a desire born. There was a plan made and carried out. Didn't happen. Just like that. Didn't happen suddenly. And when they did it, they were, they were adamantly sure that they were doing, it was okay for them to do that. That it was justified. Is that right? Y'all ever know that? You ever see these situations and see how it really is? That's exactly right. And it's that way with every sin. By the time anyone enters into any sin, they have constructed, with the devil's help, a whole argument in their mind that proves they're doing the right thing for themselves. Why would people take drugs? Do they realize at that moment, the instant they do it, do they realize that they're doing something that's going to ruin their life. No, they think they're just going to they're going to be able to escape the consequences. They think that they've just got to do this because they got to know. They got to know what it's like. They've convinced themselves that it is right. You know, bank robbers and all of that kind of stuff. Do you know what their reasoning is usually in their minds? Well, it ain't fair for rich people to have it all and us poor people to not have none, so I'm just going to take from them because I got it coming. That's how they think. They reason that it's not fair for them to not have and you to have. And if you have and I don't, they think it's just for them to take some from you. That's the way a thief thinks. 
we what we have to do if we're going to live in victory here is keep our desires under control. Used to be a thing that Christianity in general taught the people. It used to be a thing that the that nature and the hard way of life that everybody had to live taught people. You just didn't get to indulge your appetites without any boundaries. You just didn't get to do that when there was not enough. So Brother Pete showing there the, today about the garden or yesterday about his dad's last garden and he's talking about how 13 kids, how hard it was, how hard they had to work all summer in the gnats and the bugs and to grow enough food to put away for the winter because they'd starve. I mean, that's all they had. If they didn't get it done and it didn't work, they didn't have anything to eat. They didn't have enough to eat. And even at that, they just had enough. That was it. They didn't gorge themselves at the table. They never had, uh, you know, every meal wasn't a feast. (laughs) It was the same thing a lot of times. That don't fit our uh, scientific diets that we have nowadays. Wasn't all balanced out just right. That's why they all look skinny and poor. Because they were. They learned the hard way to control their appetites. Y'all ever, I don't know if how many of you have ever listened to Darlene Diver Rose and that whole story she tells about being a, in a, a POW camp in World War II in Asia and what all it was, but she told about, you know, starving, starving to death. And when they gave him any food, it was full of maggots and worms and it was garbage that they fed him if they got anything. And, and the bananas, you know, she, she just said, Lord, I'd, if I just had a banana, just one banana. And that day, I think, they brought they brought her a bunch of bananas. This out of the blue, this not, I mean, this a miracle thing. And she was just so overwhelmed and happy with it, and and then it just got a hold of her. You know, she couldn't eat them. I mean, she wanted to just devour them, and she just laid them down. I mean, starving to death. And she controlled her appetite. I mean, why? Because it had been so, so crushed by the hardship that she'd been through that she could not just, just let it loose. See, we just let it loose too much. We just let it run wild. We let our desires run wild. We eat what we want, when we want, as much as we want. And it's got to be just perfect too. I mean, if there's anything wrong, we ain't happy. Ain't got enough salt in it. Ain't got, you know, cooked too long. Not cooked enough. But, you know, I don't like this kind. I don't like this color. I want it that way. I want it this way. Yeah! 
And we're talking about fighting spiritual warfare to, the, to a generation like this. And the key is controlling our desires. Everybody's going to lose. They don't wake up and realize. It's our desires. Our desires are the road to hell. That's the lust of the flesh and walking after the lust of the flesh. That's why we're on the road to hell when we're walking after the flesh and not after the Spirit. Because we're just living after our appetites. I'm just about done. So we got to control our appetites if we're going to have any victory. If we're going to live in victory. If we're going to if the devil is not going to defeat us, we've got to keep our desires under control. And we do that by seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Every instruction we have in the Word of God about this matter instructs us the same way. Seek first the kingdom of God. I, want, I must want what God wants above what I want. And what God wants and God's desires, and they're written down right here for us to read. If I don't put them before mine, I'm going to lose. They're going to overcome me and they're going to destroy me. Any parent that loves their children, if you're, if you're, if it came down to the nitty gritty and you didn't have enough food, you would, you would give to them before yourself. Nature does that. Uh, what is the bird or something that feeds her babies her own blood when she don't? Yeah. <clears throat> We've got to put God's desires above ours. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not anything else. Not my own. Not my rights. Not my desires. Not what I want. God's got to be first. We do that by denying ourselves and following Christ. If any man will come after me, he must first deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If any will not forsake all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's putting him first. That keeps your desires under control. All you got to do is get this thing right. He's the Lord. I'm his servant. He calls the shots. I obey. His desire is my command. Then my desires really won't matter. You know what? God will take care of my desires. He'll give me the desires of my heart when things are in the right order. And we can't control our appetites and our desires unless we put God first, we seek the kingdom of God first, we deny ourselves, we follow Christ. And we do that by realizing Christ is Lord of our life and that, and that He gives me what He deems best for me. You see, wherever you're at right now, whatever is going on in your life, whatever your situation is, it is what God in His divine wisdom has deemed best for you and me. And so I should be content 
wherever I am, whatever I have, whatever He's doing for me or given me, I shouldn't have desires of my own. He gives me what He deems best for me and I have no right to go after what I want on my own. We do that by learning, like Paul, to be content with such things as we have and like Paul said, in whatsoever state we are in. Now that means circumstance. That's not Missouri or Illinois. That's, that is the circumstance. Whatever state we're in. Whatever state of mind. Whatever state of, of uh, you know, other situations. Health, finances, all that stuff. We seek peace with what we have. And not imagine that something we don't have will make us happy or give us peace. See, that's where Eve made the mistake. It's where everybody has always made the mistake. They had what they needed. And the devil said, look over here. It's always, that's the way we always enter into sin. The devil makes us unhappy. He stirs up our nest and makes us dissatisfied and discontent. And when we do that, when we become that way, then we murmur and we complain. And what does God think about that? How does God respond to murmuring and complaining and discontent? It's very offensive to Him. Because He's given you what you need. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, God will take care of you and He'll give you what you need. And we can't control our appetites unless we seek peace with what we have. Seek to be content where we are with such things as we have. We'll curb, that'll curb our appetites for the things of this world that look so appealing and are presented to us so cunningly by the forces of evil. My. And this is all this is accomplished in a person who's truly born of the Spirit of God. If you are born of God, you have the equipment. You have what you need. You have the knowledge. You have everything available to you to, to come out victorious here. To deny yourself. To be content. To say no to the devil. To keep your desires under control. To keep your desires after God's. Three verses I'm going to read here. Well, three scriptures. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You walk after the Spirit, He's going to deliver you from the lust of the flesh. Walking after the Spirit delivers you from being controlled by your desires. Matthew 5 verse 6. Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, hunger and thirst, what is that? Desires. Yes. And Jesus blessed those desires when they're in the right direction. 
he'll be filled. Your hunger, thirst, after righteousness, as the desire of your heart, you will be filled. You shall be filled. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's not complicated. How does it work? I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm going to stop. An object is presented to your mind for consideration. A desire is born out of that consideration. Then you begin to pursue that desire. And then there's a, there's a plan made to obtain that desire. Now, both ways. That, that, that order works in both arenas. But the, but the key is that the desire doesn't control, but the truth controls the outcome. Amen. Do y'all understand that? If desire takes it, it's lost. If we do what we want to do without regard to the truth of God, then all is lost. If we do what we do in accord with the Word of God, the truth of God, all is well. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you for its clarity. Thank you for its simplicity. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that helps us and equips us and teaches us about the wiles of the devil. And Lord, it's, I feel like I do this and it's just so little, so little against the arms that the enemy seems to have and use. Please help. Please help each one here to apply what we've tried to get across tonight in their life and live by it. Lord, this, this is so much health and strength to us. It'll deliver us from the snare of the devil. It'll keep us from being deceived by him, blinded by him, blindsided by him. Lord, if we just watch and pray and seek your face and keep our own desires at bay while we look to please you. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.